Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today we have a special guest, and I had the the honor of meeting her through one of my networking groups. And you know, it's funny because like when you get into these networking groups, they'll break you up into smaller micro groups to kind of talk about off the bar topics. And somehow, some way, literally five out of seven of these off bar conversations, we both end up in the same groups. Right. <laughs> so, you know, through that, then we obviously kind of built a friendship. We obviously built in the community. So I'm going to deem her the dot connecting boss. And obviously, Rachel, you can tell them why when you get an opportunity very shortly. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are, Rachel? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and yes, it's always fun when we get paired off in our uh, weekly networking group uh, in our small groups that you're there. So it makes it more fun. Uh, I'm Rachel Simon, and I um, have a company called Connect the Dots Digital. So my focus is solely on helping um, professionals utilize LinkedIn in the most effective and um, authentic way possible. Uh, And so that is really everything I focus on, really focusing on profile, understanding who's in your network, what kind of content you're posting, and how to make it really engaging and effective, and then really whatever your specific um, ultimate goal is whether that is business development, you know, building thought leadership, growing a following, or whatnot, kind of helping pull it all together. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely interesting. Like, I mean, out of all the different platforms in the world, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, and then the, we've had so many sidebar conversations and, and understand like the, the reasons why you despise some of the other platforms. But, like, how did you really get into LinkedIn? Like, what did that passion for LinkedIn come from? Um, I think. The focus on LinkedIn really grew organically. Um, So I had been doing marketing consulting um, for a client who uh, sort of doing some email marketing for this client. And they were like, we have an idea. Let's put a um, let's put a call to action in the email to get people to connect with the CEO. So I checked out the CEO's profile. And this is somebody who had been in his industry for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the guy had 12 LinkedIn connections, Mm. 12. (laughs) So I was like, well, we really can't put that in an email because people will come to his profile and recognize that this guy never uses LinkedIn. So why would they connect with him? Mm -hmm. And so started building his presence, sort of connecting with, you know, his real world uh, contacts, people he'd done business with, his colleagues, and started seeing that there was so much potential with LinkedIn and that the problem is that majority of users just aren't aware of how to take full advantage of it. Um, And that kind of coincided with the shift over the last couple of years where LinkedIn has very much changed from being the place you go when you need a job Mm -hmm. to the place you go when you wanna build your business, build your community, build your expertise or whatever that specific goal is. And so I think that sort of that timing has made a huge difference in why LinkedIn is so important for really every professional to have a, the minimum, a really good looking profile, but 
more than that, a presence. So, 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 so the listener that's listening right now, I want you to hear, like, do you not see how passionate this woman is about LinkedIn, right? So you, you may think about LinkedIn as like, oh, it's online resume, so uh, I can network. But obviously, like, when you listen to the conversation that it, it evolves in this podcast, she's going to dive a little bit more deeper into what she does and how she does it. You can kind of see that LinkedIn is more than just a networking platform. It's an every single day tool to get the best foot forward to market who you are and your services. So just back it up a little bit. Let's just, just time travel back, close our eyes and pull it back a bit, right? So if you could define yourself, right, in three to five words, what three to five words would you choose? Um, gosh, that's a great question. Okay. Well, let me think about that. (laughs) Um, community, uh, like real, like no BS, um, funny, humorous, um, engaging and kind of dorky. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so bringing up, like, okay, let's start off with the dorky, right? So we're time traveling back even more, right? Let's go back to you and your adolescence. Were you a dorky kid? Like, what were you like as a kid growing up? I mean, yeah, I was probably like most, you know, uh, kids kind of dorky. But I pull that up because, like, I love things like karaoke. Mm. Like, karaoke is, like, cheesy and goofy and, you know, but it's so much fun. And I, I like to use that as an example because it's one of those things where some people need a lot of liquid courage before they can pick up the mic. And I am not one of those people. Like, I don't care. I want to just have fun. I'm going to pull out whatever ridiculous old school rap or silly song from the 80s and just have a good time because, because it's fun. So that's sort of where the dorky level, I think, falls in. Um, kind of what's that phrase? Like, dance like nobody's watching you. like. Gotcha. And if, who cares? Don't worry about what other people think. You just have fun be yourself. Hmm. So that's interesting. So, so going from, you know, being kind of like the kid to being a free spirited person. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Cause like you're saying on one side, you're free spirited, but on the other side, like when you get into LinkedIn, I would think that you're very structured. Is that not a true statement? There's a structure to it, but I think that the way that I approach LinkedIn for myself, but also to help my clients is that you have to show yourself as a full person Mm. because just because it's professional, it's work, right? It's like Facebook for work. Um, When you're at work, when you work in an office, you don't just talk about work with your colleagues or your clients. You talk about what great restaurant you went to over the weekend, what movie you were watching, the TV show that you're all obsessed with. So you present yourself as a full person at work. And so that's what I try to convey with LinkedIn is that be your professional, show your expertise, but remember that you have a personality and that's what people are going to connect with. And that's what people are going to remember. Nice. Nice. So going off of like personalities, right? I mean, in the LinkedIn world, like you're talking about CEOs all the way to, this say entry level positions. And I, and I think you're more so on the executive level, more C-suite level, right? So dealing with that type of personality, which is the A-type personality, and I'll be <laughs> the first one to tell you that, you know, I'm, I kind of ride on that line, but I'm being A and I'm always fighting in my internal demons, right? So like, what is the worst experience you've had dealing with A-type personalities before in your line of business? I think the hard part is 
um, getting that personality type to recognize that it's not only is it okay, but it is more effective if they can pull back the curtain to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So there's this fear of, well, are people going to think I look unprofessional? Are they going to think I sound silly? Are they going to, you know, like, you know, too much worry, like you're in your head. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that if you have one post that maybe doesn't like go over great, so what? I mean, it's gone in a matter of like what a day or two, nobody's going to remember it. So it's that get out of your own way and just kind of trust the process. Mm -hmm. But it's when the strategy is and often is is sort of thought of as I'm just going to share posts from a company page and boom, boom, I'm done. Mm -hmm. It's boring. Like nobody, nobody's going to engage and connect with that versus if you can talk about something that people can relate to mm -hmm. um, and talk adjacent to what you do. You don't only have to talk about what you do. Talk about sort of the everything that surrounds what you do, business practices, things you've learned, you know, in your process of building a business or being in whatever role you are, but kind of not being afraid to just go out and test the waters and see what resonates with people. Yeah, it's funny, funny that you bring that up. So, I mean, I think part of your story when you were saying earlier you were into marketing, you can obviously tell, like, no matter what platform you decide to own, like whether it's Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, it always goes back to marketing and marketing always goes back to psychology. And then that's what you just kind of brought up, right? It's kind of like utilizing these tools in that environment. So my next question is thinking about that, right? So you're dealing with executives, you're dealing with psychology, you're, you're dealing with different systems in place, you're letting people become exposed. So let, let's talk about your exposure to a certain extent. Like in your business, how was your business structured? Are you more of an LLC, an S corp or a C corp? I'm an LLC. So it's just, you know, um, I am my business. Um, and, uh, but I try to, I kind of, my strategy is like, I have a company page for Connected Dots Digital and I do post there maybe once or twice a week. And it's one of those things, I'm always curious how other like solopreneurs do it mm. when they're, if they're presenting from their company page, do they present from the we, like to make it sound like we are the company or from the I, since anyone who can pay close attention would recognize that it's one person posting in a different place. Um, and I, I'm sort of still trying to figure that one out, but um, mm. I tend to focus more on my personal LinkedIn profile, putting content out there. Um, and that's where I have lots of great conversations with, uh, with people that I've gotten to know over the last you know, mm -hmm. couple of years, particularly over the last six months, really, because I've done a lot more content in the last since January than really ever before. And that's, very, that's very interesting. I mean, you bring up a very solid point. Like, and that's kind of like with brand strategy. And it's kind of one of the things that I always kind of like try to educate people on is like, what's the overall brand package? Do you have a company brand like Apple? Then you have a Steve job, which is kind of like the asshole individual mm -hmm. brand. And then you have like a product, like an iPhone brand. So to your point, is it the, the we, or is it I, or do you use both based upon the platforms? And that's a good question to kind of put out there into the ethos to get some responses on that one for sure. So going into, no, what were you about to say? I was just saying, I don't really know what the right answer is, honestly, for like, because my hope is at some point mm -hmm. I will have more than just me, right? The goal is mm -hmm. to build, to grow a business where you need to take on employees. And so the I will someday become a we. 
So uh, maybe, you know, do you present we from the beginning or again, does it look like silly when people know it's just you posting? Cool. <laughs> interesting, definitely very, 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 very interesting. So let's, let's talk about like your systems in place, right? So onboarding. I'm a new client. I'm like, oh my God, I listened to you on the podcast. I, I, I want your services. Like, what does your onboarding process look like if I'm coming into your system? Sure. So generally I would do like a, you know, we'd have a, an initial conversation, talk about who you are, what you do, what your business is, what your goals are on LinkedIn and sort of where you, um, where your stumbling blocks are. Like, what are the barriers mm. to LinkedIn? So generally those are like, I don't know, what to like? I don't know how to write my profile effectively. I don't have the time to do any of this stuff, um, or I just like everything. I don't know, <laughs> like other. Uh, but time is a big one. Time is a big barrier for people. Um, and so, generally, once we have that initial conversation and sort of, you know, commit to uh, whatever. Pro, you know, package or engagement a client is looking for, then it's pretty simple because I do it all through um, Google Doc. So I create a document that kind of goes step by step through profiles with, you know, every piece of your profile. So your profile photo, you know, is it complete? You know, is it done, good to go? Or do you need a new one? Like, so the recommendation would be to get a new headshot. If your banner image, which is that gray, you know, rectangle that too many people have blank on their profile. <laughs> um, do you have one? If you work for a company, can you get one from the marketing department? If you are a solo, um, you know, business owner, what would, what would you like that to look like? So I've done plenty of design. I can design some in Canva for my clients. I am not a graphic designer, but I can create a nice looking LinkedIn banner in Canva. Um, and then really go through like your headline, your about section, and then there'll be various questions and prompts in each section for, and then once that's complete, I will give it to the client for them to respond to. And the, the way this has worked really well is that when I have like in the about section, for example, I'll give multiple questions. They don't have to answer all of them, but the ones that resonate when they are responding in the way they speak, then I can take their responses and then really craft those into a narrative between based on what they've shared with me and then what we've talked about in conversations. And that's worked out really, really well. Um, nice. And then we kind of go back and forth on edits. And then once it's good to go, then either they can make the updates themselves, mm -hmm. but often we'll do a Zoom call and kind of do them you know, where I'll walk them through how to make all the updates because it's important for people to understand where, how to make changes on their profile because LinkedIn profiles um, are not set it and forget it, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I think you brought up another really solid point. Like the, you're talking about set it and forget it and that's the way LinkedIn used to be perceived. But now to your point, you're talking about writing copy that's more of a narrative, more of a marketing stance versus before it was more so not even a headline. It was just kind of like, yes, I worked here. I did this, hire me. That, that, that's mm -hmm. the way LinkedIn used to be. But now it's more so you're talking about, well, not only did I do this, but this is the results of what I've done. This is the person that I've helped. And you're creating this image of someone that you potentially want somebody to work with directly. So in your narrative style of writing, right? Like, how are you picking that apart for, for your clients? Are you more so looking at the traditional copywriting style or are you just organically writing it based upon the image of that company and the individual? 
Kind of. I mean, I guess the way that I've done it is um, I'm going to take whatever collateral they have as a mm -hmm. starting point. So whether that is the bio on their company website, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, something they have, you know, if they did a conference speaking engagement and there's like an introduction or whatever their current LinkedIn about section is. So it's good to have sort of like, here's where, here's the starting point for information. Mm -hmm. um, but really the, generally when we have that onboarding call, I can get a good sense of someone's personality. Mm -hmm. um, and then the questions that I, I send them for their about section are very much crafted individually to that person. So, you know, there is some general like similarity mm -hmm. at the end of the day, but um, everyone, you know, is going to lead from a different point of view. So I'm the way one thing I've been sharing recently is like, I will never start an about section with so-and-so has X number of years of experience doing in just, you know, skill. Mm. It's boring. I don't care. And I don't care if some, you know, does, does somebody really care if you have 10, 15 or 30 years of experience at the end of the day versus when you can lead with a hook. Mm -hmm. And the one I, I like to share is I worked with a woman who um, had worked in the dental industry. She had a boutique dental um, marketing firm. And then she had closed that and was tra had transitioned into a sales role, same industry. And so we were, we were changing her profile from kind of the marketing to more sales. Mm -hmm. And so the, her about section started with, I love the dentist. Yes, you read that right. And then went on from there because nice. that's something that's going to be like, well, who loves the dentist? I want to read more about this person. So leading with some way to pull the reader in, mm -hmm. um, kind of just like traditional, you know, journalism or traditional writing where you want that right, you want to hook the reader so that they are interested to understand more about whatever the topic is. Yeah, I think it's definitely very, very cool because to your point, I mean, LinkedIn was kind of the boring stepchild to all these other platforms because it, it was like that. It was just literally bullet points from people's resumes that they just copied and paste. So I think I commend you for, you know, not only understanding that the industry has changed, but adapting to helping other people understand that the industry has changed as well. So. My next question kind of goes into like the perception, right? So somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, oh my God, I love Rachel. I love what she's about. I love her energy. I love what she's talking about. She must have been doing this. I don't know how long. She, the perception of you being an overnight success becomes a reality to that individual person. But how long have you really been on your journey? How long did it take you to get to where you are? Oh gosh. Um, so, I mean, my, uh, I mean, professional career, took a major pivot mm -hmm. about six years ago because I worked in nonprofit for 15 years. Wow. So um, now there is, there is a connecting line through all of it. Mm -hmm. And the connecting line is that everything I did prior to kind of going out on my own to do marketing consulting and, and again, now launching my company has to do with community and building relationships. So in the nonprofit world, Anybody who's worked there knows that it is all about relationships mm -hmm. because you have to build trust and goodwill with whomever your stakeholders are. So whether those are funders, you know, obviously your colleagues, people coming. I did a lot of event planning and like programming. 
So people coming to programs, getting people to participate on the, you know, the people who were like facilitating, getting them to agree to give their time to do that. So building that community, then I really just sort of took those principles and translated those to a digital space because LinkedIn is all about building community. I mean, it is not like I'm going to just put my profile up and this is something I'm actually going to work a post about, which is like, you can have a profile, but the real magic happens when you have a presence. Hmm. And having that LinkedIn presence is about engaging with other people's content, putting out content that people want to engage with you on, you know, getting to know people in various ways, sending out direct messaging in the right way, not in a spammy way. Um, but all that goes into community building, relationship building, trust building, so that you, again, meet your goals, whatever those goals are. So I think that's sort of where the connecting dots are. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, I, I definitely see it clear as day. So, I mean, there's something part of what you just brought up as far as, you know, having a presence, right? And LinkedIn is forever growing. It's just an organic monster, much like Twitter, much like Facebook. And there's feature sets that people don't even understand, right? So there's one particular feature set, which I think happened within the last three years or something like that. And I just want you to kind of, kind of give us a little bit more of a definition of it so people can understand this feature. So there's, hey, I have 10,000 contacts and then I have 3,000 followers. There's obviously a difference between those numbers. So mm -hmm. how does that work? Like what's, yeah, that's what's a, what? Yeah. That's a good question. So your, con your connections are the people that you have invited into or accepted into your network. So when I send you a connection request and you accept, you are my connection, my contact. Mm -hmm. um, but there might be people who they're not, I don't, you know, they're, they're kind of big names and I'm not, mm -hmm sure that if I send a connection request to them, they're going to accept it. Uh, so I'm going to follow them. So when I follow them, I can see their content and I can engage with their content. And that's such a good strategy when you have specific targets because, and I've done this many times myself. So there's one, um, there's one guy who's uh, amazing on LinkedIn and everyone should follow him. His name is John Esperian. He's out of, he's in the UK. He's so great. He does all kinds of fun experiments. He, you know, his content is incredible. Yeah. So maybe about a year, more than a year ago, I was like, well, this guy's never going to connect with me because he's, he's a big deal here. So I followed him. I started commenting on his posts. He would respond because he is like that. He always responds to people's comments. Um, Occasionally, I would reach out through a DM to ask a specific question. Like mm -hmm. if I was unsure about something like, you know, could you point me in the direction of where I'd find whatever, insert question here. And he was always really nice responding. And I did that for a couple of months to the point when then I felt like, you know what, if I send a connection request now, I think he'll accept it. Mm -hmm. And he did. And, you know, between that and sort of also Clubhouse, which Clubhouse is a really nice uh, companion to LinkedIn in a lot of ways. Now he's like one of my LinkedIn friends. So it takes time to build those relationships. Um, like for myself, I have probably about a thousand more followers than I have connections because there's certain people that I'm not going to accept everybody 
as a first degree mm-hmm. connection. I'm a little, you know, I, everyone has their own sort of philosophy on that, mm-hmm. but anyone can follow me, follow away. <laughs> um, but it's a good, it's a good sort of, again, it depends on what people's goals are. If they want a, like to grow a following, then trying to build their followers is a good strategy. If they want to build, a, you know, a, just have a lot of connections, then they should be focused on that. So it really just depends on what they're looking to do. And isn't there like a limitation whether you're on a, a pro LinkedIn account versus a regular account to kind of have access to the followers, non-followers as well? You can have, there's no limit on followers. There is a 30,000 limit on first degree connections. Hmm. But that's gotcha. a lot of people as first yeah. degree connections. <laughs> Yeah, so there's yeah. people I know who have tens of thousands of followers and they have 2000 connections. Nice. Nice. Cool. Cool. So my next question is with everything that you've learned about LinkedIn, right? And and you are where you are on LinkedIn and like you just told the story about, you know, the connections versus followers and how you use following to then make a partnership to then become a connection to where now you guys are friends. So if you can go back in time, and whisper something in your ears at any time in the last 10, 20 years to change something, to do some one thing differently, what would that one thing be? Um, wow, that's a great question. What would I do? Tell myself 10, well, 10 years ago, I would say, Rachel, you're going to have your own business. So don't laugh when your husband tells you that you're, you should quit your job and <laughs> do this. Um, I think in like the LinkedIn world, it would be taking the platform more seriously sooner. I don't think I really saw the value of it, um, until again, I started supporting that one client with it, but Mm -hmm. I had been on it since 2011. Um, mainly because at the, my last, um, position, when I was still working in nonprofit, I was managing social media for them. And so uh, Facebook was the main channel, but we also had like a smaller presence on, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter and whatever. Mm. So I was like, I guess I better join LinkedIn. Um, But I didn't really do anything. And in fact, I took and I did a, uh, like an analysis of my posts. And I realized that in the first five years I was on LinkedIn, I posted a total of 50 times in five years. That's crazy. Um, but that's just not how people use the platform back then. Mm-hmm. But there were some that did and they were the real trailblazers. Nice, nice. So still trying, you know, going back in time a little bit to kind of figure out, like obviously you started off as a corporate employee, then the entrepreneurial bug hit you and now you're running your own business. So I want you to think back in time, like, was there ever someone in your family, maybe your dad or your mom that had that entrepreneurial hustle, that insight, maybe it could have been like a, a cousin that ran something that you heard about, but you didn't really engulf yourself in? Like, where does your entrepreneurial side come from? I mean, it honestly was my husband. He's the one who has that entrepreneurial drive. And he had talked, mm-hmm. you know, over many, we'll be married, um, 20 years next year. So over in the, you know, two decades that we've been together, he had, um, he spent some time working with his dad who had his own business. He had explored some potential, you know, like 
business opportunities, kind of doing things on his own. So he always had that an entrepreneurial um, drive and interest. And he is the one who kind of encouraged me. I mean, he back in 2015, the beginning of the year, because I had been in my job for like eight years and I was working part-time in nonprofit, which is not super financially lucrative. Um, he's like, you know, you could be doing this on your own and easily make up what you, what your current salary is. Hmm. And that thought was terrifying to me. It was so scary. And I was like, you are out of your mind. Like, why would anybody hire me to do this stuff? And it took me several months to think about it and to kind of be like, okay, let's just see what happens. And he was 100% right. I mean, it took no time. I initially, immediate because I had such strong connections in, um, in the you know, in my community, because I had been working in the community for so long, someone who I knew who um, immediately was like, I have a client that um, you might be able to help with. You want to come to a meeting? Like a month after I had quit. And I was like, mm. okay. <laughs> so it's really amazing when someone can see something in you that you can't see for yourself. Um and uh, and now I'm like, I just am so grateful because I absolutely love what I do. And I'm incredibly proud of what we built together. My husband has helped me, you know, a lot with on the strategy side and just talking through work stuff. And he puts up with nice. me talking about LinkedIn all day long. <laughs> nice, nice. So, I mean, you talk about your husband, you talk about your family a little bit. So considering that your husband has the entrepreneurial hustle, you also have it now. How do you guys work with the balancing of the entrepreneurial hustle and your family life? I mean, the easier part is my, our kids are teenagers. So mm. they don't, you know, pretty sure similarly age to, to yours. So they don't need as much hands-on time as they used to when they were little. I think it'd be a lot harder if this was, five, 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, for sure, when they were little. So, you know, my kids are um, going to be in ninth and 11th grade. I've got one that drives. It makes a huge difference in not having to constantly be going places left and right, driving kids here, there and everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's just a balance. I mean, the nice thing is like working for yourself, you work when you need to work. So if I have to go do something in the middle of the day, I'm going to go do something in the middle of the day. And, you know, I can always work later in the evening or on the weekends. I mean, I, I don't feel like it's a burden because I, I enjoy what I do. And I think that's where the difference is. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, with that, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, like our morning networking meetings are like eight o'clock in the morning, which is not too early, but they're pretty early. So what does your morning routines, your morning habits look like? <laughs> yeah, they're not there. I mean, I'm up. I get up early. I'm usually up by like 630 um, coffee immediately upon waking up. And then I uh, go work out in my basement. Uh, and that's really it. So that's why on our uh, networking calls, I'm almost never put together because I've generally just finished my workout and I'm like racing to get my second cup of coffee before <laughs> eight o'clock starts. Um, but I've always been, um, I've always worked out. That's like a high priority for me and just in life in general. And so, um, now with COVID, you know, when COVID hit, I had to transition that from the gym to my basement, but mm -hmm. it's great because it saves me a ton of time 
and um, hmm. can just run down there, get my workout in, come up and get on with my day. Nice, nice. So, I mean, with that, this next question is essentially a, a three-part question. And I think that, you know, you've, you're very astute. And obviously, when you speak about marketing, you speak about psychology indirectly, even though I know that you know way more psychology than you want to allude to. And then you're talking about, like, LinkedIn. So first part of this question is, what books have you read on your journey to get you to where you are? Second part is, what books or audio books are you reading or listening to now? And the third part is, have you had an opportunity to author any books yet? Um, okay, that's a great question. So the book that really showed me that I was on to something, this was probably about five years ago, was this book. It's called LinkedIn Unlocked. The author is Melanie Dodaro. So she's out of the Netherlands, maybe. Mm -hmm. She's Canadian, but she lives in Europe. So I read this book and I was like, everything that she's talking about is stuff I've already, that I'm doing for that one client. And so it was so gratifying to be like, I, this is not crazy. Like this is not a, a like a, a crazy thing to be doing to help people with their LinkedIn presence in this specific way. Cause a lot of it is not, it's not earth shattering. I mean, it is common sense to a certain degree. So this was really told me that like, there is a lot to be had here. Um, by following a specific methodology that I kind of was just doing hmm. organically. Um, so that book was, that made me feel like this is the right path. Um, the book that I think is really, really helpful. There's a bunch of great books, like people that I know on LinkedIn that have hmm. authored books, but, and I already mentioned him once, John Asperian has this awesome book called Content DNA. And what I love about John's book is that he doesn't just talk about LinkedIn. He talks about how your content has to have the same DNA across all platforms. So your website, your social media, your email, people need to be able to pull out and understand the, the, the building blocks of like who you are, what you do and what you're all about and what you talk about consistently everywhere you are. And I think that's such a smart um way to kind of approach content in general, marketing in general. It's a really good book. Plus it's kind of funny. Um, right now, I don't know if I'm reading anything um, professionally. Mm -hmm. I've read like a handful of marketing books. Um, but right now I don't think there's anything and I have not written a book. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the thing is, is there's, like a lot of LinkedIn books out there. And again, yeah. similar to like the first one, they all kind of say the same thing because it's all kind of the same process. Everybody has their own perspective and the way they mm -hmm. talk about it. But um, I haven't seen one that's like, huh, I never thought about it from that point of view. <laughs> so I think for uh, social proof, it's great. And I really admire people that have authored a book tremendously. Nice, nice. So, I mean, that goes into like my next question, like you're on LinkedIn, right? And it's always a difficult task for anyone outside. Well, actually the people that are inside these systems. So prime example, if I was a Facebook ad guy and that's all I ever did and Facebook changes and then morphs so much, LinkedIn is, is, is organic in that sense that it changes and then morphs so much. Where do you see yourself in regards to LinkedIn in the next 20 years? 
Um, I mean, gosh, it's, you know, that's one where it's like, who knows where LinkedIn is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if things are going to continue down the path of like really focused on relationship, I mean, they've just hired a whole team about on around community mm-hmm. and content creators. Like they're really putting a lot of emphasis on creators um, because, you know, only like 1% of LinkedIn users are actually creating content, which is a teeny, teeny, tiny amount. Mm-hmm. So if LinkedIn is putting a lot of time and energy into supporting one to 2% of its users, then that feels like a place of where there's going to be a lot of growth and opportunity. So I think that focusing on all of the components of the, of the platform where you can just differentiate yourself, it's always going to be used by recruiters. It's always going to have a job component to it. It's always going to have a sales component to it, period. That being said, in any of those verticals, the content piece and the creator piece can can come forward. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So talking about like content creating, you're talking about managing a, a particular platform that's a, it's a monster and it's ever growing. <laughs> you have to have particular tools in place, right? So as far as software applications, what tools outside of LinkedIn do you use that you would not be able to do what you're doing without? Um, mine are pretty simple. I mean, Google Docs for organization. So that's, again, like what I said um, earlier, that's what I use when I'm helping clients craft their profiles. But then I also have, I think my document's like 70 pages long now, where I have a um, basically like a library of all my content. So I can go back and look at posts and switch them up a little bit, repurpose them because a lot of the stuff I talk about is evergreen. Uh Um, So LinkedIn doesn't do a great job of letting you kind of search through your previous posts. So popping them all into some sort of library, whatever that might be, is important if you're going to create a lot of content. Um, So Google Docs and Canva gotta have canva use canva for every design component of my brand down to my logo um but i use canva all the time again to create banners to create graphics to create carousel posts Mm. um i think they just rolled out a video component where you can create you can film videos through canva you can create audiograms um so canva is so great nice so going into like final words of wisdom, right? So this, this, let's niche this down a little bit. Let's say I'm an executive on LinkedIn and I'm listening to you speak and I'm like, okay, everything she's saying makes completely sense to me. What is one bit of word of wisdom that you would want to deliver to that person to help them to understand their next steps they need to take on their LinkedIn profile? Um, for a CEO, so it's going to be, I'm going to answer this from two different CEOs. Yeah. Yeah, the CEO of a a large company with like multiple employees and a marketing department, the advice would be LinkedIn for your company is going to be more effective if it goes beyond the company page, Mm -hmm. meaning you have a role through your own personal profile to connect, engage, and build relationships with your potential customers, targets, referral sources you know, fans, whatever those might be. Too often in larger companies, the strategy is 
throw content up on the company page and and uh, direct the employees just to like those posts or share them and then boom, boom, we're done. But it's just not that effective of a strategy. So that would be sort of for big, big CEO. <laughs> for CEO like me, who you are, you know, running a small company, whether it's just you or you have just a handful of employees, you are your company's best face. You are the face of your company. Nobody can talk about your company with as much excitement, passion, and enthusiasm as you can. And so utilizing LinkedIn to build relationships, to get people to see your love and enthusiasm for what you do and why you do it, um, will only benefit the growth of your company in the long run. So depending, there is a role for company pages are important. Um, they really are. And so they shouldn't be neglected. But when the emphasis is imbalanced, where it's like company page, and then the personal is just like here, it needs to be the opposite. It needs to be the personal has the more weight to it. And the company page can support the personal profile. Interesting. So how could somebody get in contact with you? I mean, obviously LinkedIn, right? So kind of. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they should find me on LinkedIn. Um, I look very much like my picture. If you're listening, um, I, you know, my, um, there's a few Rachel Simons out there, but my picture has a very bright teal background. Um, so connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to my website, connectedotsdigital.com. Um, but those are probably the two best ways. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn all day long. I have a post going right now. Um, and it was about a poll cause I got a weird connection request. Mm -hmm. So I was asking a question about it and someone was like, I've got work to do. I don't have time for this stuff. And my response was like, LinkedIn is my work. So that's why I'm asking the question. <laughs> like, this is what I do. I'm on here all day long. Um, so I tend to, you know, never miss messages and things like that because I'm always there, but, um, I love, you know, it's such a great, it is such a great platform and people should just take advantage of it because they're missing the opportunity to really just connect with people that I have friends all over the world. I've met through LinkedIn. Like I could go on a world tour and have places to visit every, on every continent. Like how cool is that? It's definitely it's cool. I mean, it sounds a lot like podcasting in a sense. It's kind of like the more and more you get engulfed into that core niche and you reach out outside of your local network, it becomes, you know, the world becomes really, really small when you think about it. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and there's so many like amazing, smart people all over the world who you can learn something from. And I think that that's an important way to look at it too, is that it's not just about what I'm sharing, it's that I learn something every day by engaging with content in the, um, in the newsfeed or with, mm. you know, from people who I know nice. tips. I mean, that I, you know, will save and bookmark to use later. I mean, there's so much knowledge, um, there to take full advantage of, um, and sort of the last thing that I would want to kind of share is that the real key to LinkedIn is about is give to get. Mm -hmm. So if you just throw content out there and you're like, okay, I did my post for the week. Bye LinkedIn. See you next week. It's not going to be as successful as then 
if you take the time to comment on other people's posts and comment consistently and always, always respond to comments on your content. Because if someone's taking the time to engage with your post and you don't respond to it, it would be like if somebody struck up a conversation with you at a networking event and you just kind of turned around and walked away. Yeah. So responding, engaging, just give, be giving and you will see the benefit. It just takes time, time and patience. Nice. Nice. So with that, we're going to go into the bonus round, right? And I, Ooh, I a bonus round. Bonus questions for you. <laughs> so this is a question that I did. It's, it's one of my bonus questions that I usually don't ask because, you know, sometimes I don't see the value in asking it. But today I definitely see the value in asking you this particular question. So if money wasn't a factor, would you still be doing exactly what you're doing right now? Um, yeah, probably. But I could do it from like Fiji or something. Right. I could do it from anywhere. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cause I mean, I, you're so passionate about LinkedIn. It's kind of like, kind of goes back to our networking group. And, you know, Donnie had made a comment one time about you want to hire someone that is not only passionate, but they only work on that one particular platform. So you're not necessarily saying you're marketing on LinkedIn and Twitter. You're marketing and teaching, educating 100% on LinkedIn, which makes you a LinkedIn professional to where you could have more insight than someone that's diversified across the board. And so that's why I wanted to ask you that question because I knew your answer was going to be, yeah, hell yeah, I'll still be doing what I'm doing because you love what you're doing. <laughs> I do love what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, there is obviously, like you said, there's marketing sort of like basics that mm -hmm. go along with everything. And so I can certainly like speak to how it fits into the overall marketing strategy. Because mm -hmm. that is one thing that I have reiterated with clients multiple times is that LinkedIn is awesome. But it cannot be, you have to have more than one tool mm -hmm. in your bucket. You cannot just focus on one. LinkedIn cannot be it because it has to go in concert with whatever other marketing tools you are using, whether that's, you know, your website, email marketing, other social platforms, podcasting, you know, whatever it is, it's a great clubhouse. Like, But sometimes people kind of put it all like, okay, LinkedIn, we're done, right? Well, yeah. No. <laughs> Gotcha. So my next bonus question for you is if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh, that would be easy, easy. It's my dad. I would spend it with my dad. I lost my dad almost 17 years ago. And uh, so I think he'd be pretty amazed at what I'm doing now. And I think we'd have lots to talk about uh, with, you know, about everything. So. That one is an easy question. <laughs> cool, cool, yeah. Definitely interesting to think about, you know, like when you, you lose somebody and have an opportunity to go back and to communicate with them again. It's, it's, I think it's like, goes back to like just building legacies. It's you not only want to see your predecessors grow up to be bigger and larger than you are, but it would be really interesting to communicate with them after you're gone. Like that's, I think anyone that's into legacy, they always think about that. Like what would it be like a hundred years from now if I can talk to my great grandkid. A hundred percent. I mean, and my dad, you know, never was able to meet my kids, you know, missed the majority of my true adulthood. I mean, so um, I think that he would be pretty, pretty proud. I'd like to think. <laughs> cool. Cool. 
So this is the time of the podcast that, you know, every time I interview somebody, you know, I, I like this part because the microphone becomes yours. You become the host and you have an opportunity to ask me any questions that may have come up during this interview. Um, what a, What's your link? Like, how do you feel about LinkedIn? Do you, do you feel like it is, where does it fit into your strategy? So it's, it's becoming a bigger, bigger part of my strategy because, you know, like I've had, you know, dozens and dozens of conversations about LinkedIn. I've worked on LinkedIn profiles before, more so from like the automation side, like, you know, creating content, posting content, and then, you know, following back up based upon the content that you post. But because LinkedIn is becoming more of a social platform, which originally it wasn't, I'm more of a social integrated guy. Like right now, Facebook is my platform. Second to Facebook would be Instagram. And I'm using the podcast to fulfill these two platforms. And then I'm moving more into YouTube because I can get more animated. But LinkedIn is, is, is you know, it's taking pieces of the pie and leading from examples of what Facebook has done and what Twitter has done and what YouTube has done. So now like you can put videos on, I got one guy that I interviewed, his entire profile is based on LinkedIn but he's streaming all his content from YouTube to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's becoming more and more as a larger facet. The only thing I don't like about LinkedIn currently right now, it's still kind of um, spammy in nature. It is, yes, yeah. And that's, that's actually what that poll that I have going on is about because I got this like spammy connection request that was the exact same one that I got six months ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, like word for word from the same person. Oh yeah. Um, and the spam is annoying. I mean, I ta- I I host a clubhouse room uh, every week with a couple um, awesome co-mods, and uh, it's on that topic. It is about bots and automation on LinkedIn because it's a problem. There's a lot of fake accounts, like a lot of fake accounts, mm-hmm. um, and it ruins it ruins it for the people that are looking to build real relationships, um, which is unfortunate, but. I think it's getting a little better. LinkedIn's cracking down on those automation tools mm. uh, a lot, like significantly. And people, unfortunately, if they're utilizing them, are risking their account. They could potentially lose access to their account if they're using a third-party automation tool. So yeah. buyer beware. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the automation in the sense, like, and this is what I use the automation for on LinkedIn. Like, if it's someone's birthday, automatically send them a birthday reminder with my face, general information, you know, happy birthday. I hope you enjoy your day. Nothing work related whatsoever. And then, you know, I may do that a hundred times a week or maybe 10, 20 times per day based upon someone's birthday. But then maybe 1% of those people will respond. And the people that respond, then I start communicating. Then I'll follow back up mm-hmm. and say, yeah, oh, yeah, did you have a good birthday? What did you do for your birthday? You know, hope you had fun. And then we start a conversation and build into more of a, like a relationship from them. That's what I use it for. In addition to that, when people get new jobs, when they transfer or they get new opportunities, telling them congratulations. That's what I'll use the pod for. Hey, congratulations on your new position. You know, I wish you the best, happy and successful new career. And that's it. And the people that respond, then I'll communicate with them. But the people that send the spam, like, oh, I see you got a podcast. I would love to monitor your podcast and market it for you. It's kind of like, I don't even know, I don't even know your name. Like, who are you? And why are you trying yeah. to market my podcast, not knowing that my podcast talks about marketing? Like Right. Yeah. Well, it's basically like the equivalent of you've walked into, you know, like when we go to the badass business summit in September, if you walk up to somebody and like just launch right into a sales pitch without saying hello, 
you just wouldn't do that in person. So why people do it on LinkedIn through messaging is beyond me. And what's worse is when they do it in a connection request. I mean, I guess maybe it's better because then you know what you're getting and you can just ignore it and move on with your day. But um, it is really frustrating to get those spammy messages, um, especially when it's so obvious they didn't look, they don't know who you are. They didn't look at your profile. Um, so the best thing to do is to report those, just report them because they have to, LinkedIn needs to know that that activity is going on. People sometimes think that's a little harsh, but I think that you need to use the tools that they have given us in order to make the platform better. So, I mean, going into closing, like my last question is, what are your thoughts about the way I'm using automation as far as just contacting someone to say happy birthday or contacting them to say congratulations on their new position? I think the birthday ones is innocuous. I mean, but the new positions can be tricky. And I'll use an example. I got one um, of those because I added on my profile um, that I, the, the main club that I'm connected to on Clubhouse did a whole big launch. You know, they have, they're really going all in on Clubhouse and they had a website and they have a LinkedIn company page. So we were asked to add like lead moderator as a new position. So I got a message like that. Congratulations on your new position. Mm -hmm. Of course it was followed with like a sales pitch from a financial planner. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you just have to be careful of that because sometimes things may get pulled into your search where it's not really a new position. Gotcha. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not, a, and my response to the guy was like, I have a new position, that's news to me. Um, so just be, I would be well aware of that. And again, if you're using a, a third, like a Chrome extension to send those, LinkedIn is scraping people's like profiles to see if there is code from any like certain third party tools. And so I guess the question is, is it worth potentially the potential risk to your profile to save a little bit of time? Something to consider. Well, I think on that note, I think that that's a, that's a solid question to close out the podcast on for our, our the, the listener listening to ask yourself that question and, and pose it the reality. I mean, is LinkedIn, is it okay if you lose LinkedIn or, or you want to keep LinkedIn? That's really what she's saying. You know, you could save some time, but maybe take an extra five minutes to keep your account active, maybe more worth your time. So again, it's I just, we are at their mercy. Mm -hmm. Just like every platform, we are, we are their we are the user. We're also the product. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is their discretion. And technically, you know, if you break their terms of service, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they can take they can mm -hmm. take action against your account. So if you're if you've taken the time to build up thousands upon thousands of connections and you suddenly didn't have those, what would you do? I would cry personally. <laughs> You're making me think I need to go and export out all my contacts right now, just in case. That's a good thing to do. <laughs> cool. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out your busy schedule to, to drop the nugget that you dropped. I think you definitely gave some people some more insight about LinkedIn outside of the mundane, everyday resume stature that LinkedIn is originally known for. And I definitely appreciate you for that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. Cool. cool. S.A. Grant, over and out. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.